Greetings, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble, Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. Well, we're going to continue to talk about Brave Hearts, and this is Brave Hearts Series Part 2. Now, last week, I started this series, and this is about men and women of the Bible that did extraordinary feats to advance the kingdom. Like our American patriot warriors, these warriors used different methods to achieve their victories. Sometimes suffering has its rewards. As we see in the life of Joseph, son of Jacob, his brothers initially wanted to kill him. Reuben, the oldest son, stepped, excuse me, stopped that plan but came up with the idea of throwing Joseph in a pit. After eating their meal, the brother's next plan was to sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. The brothers liked that idea, so they pulled him out of the pit and sold him, and he was on his way to Egypt. Now, many of you know Joseph's story. So if we kind of go back to why did the brothers want to kill him is that Joseph had had a couple dreams and he was young and he was a little arrogant and told his brothers that one day his brothers would be bowing down to him. Well, that kind of enraged his brothers. And of course there was jealousy and that's kind of why they decided to do what they did. But nevertheless, because of Joseph's great management skills, he was made the administrator over Potiphar's estate. So let's just look at this picture again. He's in the pit. Then they decide, oh, let's get him out of the pit and let's sell him to the Ishmaelites who were on their way to Egypt. Once he gets to Egypt, he was bought as a slave by Potiphar. But Potiphar recognized early on that this man was a great achiever, and he had great skill. So Potiphar made him the administrator over all his estate. Now, things were going pretty well until Potiphar's wife started making sexual advances. Every day, day after day, she tried to get him to have sex with her. Finally, one day, when no one was in the house, She grabbed Joseph and said, lie with me. He was so astonished. He left his garment in her hand and he fled and ran outside. Well, she had to cover herself, so she lied about what happened. And she blamed Joseph for trying to get her in bed with him. Then when her husband came home, She manufactured the story and twisted it all around to make it look like Joseph was the one forcing her and she was the one that was refusing. So what did her husband do? Potiphar put Joseph in prison. So he goes from the pit to a slave to now being in prison. And this young man really did suffer. Eventually, um, 
Pharaoh was so angry with his butler and his baker that he decided to throw them in prison with Joseph. Now, they got out of prison after having dreams, which Joseph interpreted. And this is what he said to the butler and the baker. He said, when, when you get out, please show kindness to me and remember me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and help me get out of this place. Well, as it would happen, the butler got out of prison and quickly forgot about Joseph. And the baker got out but was eventually hanged. Two more years passed. Joseph sat in that prison for two more years. And it must have seemed like forever to Joseph. But then something interesting happened. Pharaoh had two dreams. He called all the magicians of Egypt. They were summoned by him, but none of them could interpret the dreams. He summoned the wise men of Egypt. None of them could interpret the dreams. Then the butler, and we, we, the scriptures say butler, but he was probably the cupbearer. In other words, he was kind of a first assistant to the king or in this case, to Pharaoh. The butler remembered that he had a fellow prisoner that had interpreted his dream and the baker's dream. And he also mentioned that this person not only interpreted the dream, but exactly what he interpreted came to pass. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And Joseph was able to interpret both the king's dreams. Now, Joseph not only interpreted the dreams, but he gave Pharaoh the plan on how to handle the plentiful years followed by the seven years of famine. And, you know, I, I'm leaving out a lot of details, of course. I'm not going into the specific dreams that the butler and the baker had. I'm not going into the specific dreams that Pharaoh had. You can go to the scriptures and read that for yourself in the book of Genesis. But when the, when the famine finally came to Egypt, Jacob, now we talked about Jacob last week, right? Jacob went through a lot of suffering himself, some of which was his own fault because he was a deceiver, deceiving his own brother Esau out of his inheritance, later deceiving his uncle Laban because he was angry at his uncle who kept pulling the same kind of deception on Jacob that Jacob had pulled on his own brother. But Jacob was the father to Joseph. And when the famine finally did come, Jacob tells his 10 sons to go to Egypt and buy grain because there's no food. There's a great famine in all the land. Now, Joseph, as the prime minister, he's promoted 
um, he uh, once he gives the dream interpretation and the plan on how to handle this, Pharaoh makes him what we would call the prime minister of all of Egypt. He was in charge of all of Egypt. So anytime anyone had to buy any grain, they had to come before Joseph. Well, when Joseph, when his brothers show up, he recognizes his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Eventually, the brothers return home and they bring back Jacob. And again, I'm leaving out a lot of the story and you can read that again for yourself. There's a series of conversations that take place before Jacob actually does come to see Joseph. And these conversations are between Joseph and his brothers. And he's initially trying to intimidate them and kind of scaring them and kind of getting a little bit of revenge for what they did to him. And lo and behold, they're scared out of their minds that he's going to kill them. But then he eventually reveals his identity to them. Needless to say, they are shocked, shocked beyond belief. How could the brother that was in the pit that they sold as a slave now be the prime minister of Egypt? So they are petrified, but Joseph forgives them and hugs them and cries with them. And they actually do exactly what Joseph had dreamed many, many, many years ago as a young man. They did bow down to him. Now, this was a wonderful reconciliation. And of course, after all those terrible years of suffering that Joseph underwent, you can imagine the joy in his heart to be reconciled again with his brothers. And obviously when he sees his father Jacob, it's it's one of the greatest things because if you remember, the scripture does tell us that Joseph was also Jacob's favorite. So of course that created jealousy with he and his brothers. He was Jacob's favorite. That's why he was given the coat of many colors that we often talk about. And um, that is the coat that was brought back to the father where they killed an animal, put some blood on it, and kind of came up with a story that they made up that Joseph had been eaten by and killed by a, a vicious animal. So, yes, Joseph suffered very much. Many wrongs and many injustices injustices against him. But, you know, he maintained his integrity. Joseph did his best when his situation was at its worst. And each step of the way, he could have easily given up. But Joseph was a brave heart. Joseph is a person in the Bible that is really worth reading about and studying and carefully chewing on these scriptures to really gain a 
a fresh perspective and understanding of who he was and how he handled things. Just a great, great man of integrity. So he was a brave heart, and he was promoted to Pharaoh's right hand. Joseph was faithful in all his responsibilities to Pharaoh, as he was when he lived in Potiphar's house. He wisely planned for the coming famine, and he managed the Egyptian economy in a way that saved many, many lives, including his very own family. And lastly, Joseph was a brave heart because he could have had his brothers executed with just just one, you know, just one word, and his brothers could have been executed. But he chose instead to forgive them. You see, revenge was not in Joseph's plan, but restoration was a truly brave heart. Our next person that I'm going to share with you is someone I consider to be a brave heart. And he is a man by the name of Moses. Moses spent the first two-thirds of his life being shaped for the final third of his life. I would like to make an observation at this point. These two men allowed the heart hardships of life to refine them before they took their leadership positions. They were molded and shaped by life's circumstances that would enable them to handle the last phase of their lives. Like a piece of clay on a potter's wheel, there were twists and turns that could have made them very bitter men, but instead it made them better, better indeed. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life in the court of Pharaoh as a son. As you remember, the mother and father sent him in a reed basket on the river now, and Pharaoh's daughter found him, which literally saved his life. So she adopted Moses as her own son. In the court of Egypt, he was well-schooled. He lived a life of pleasure until he came of age, and then things changed. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. The book of Hebrews tells us, not fearing the wrath of the king. For the next 40 years, Moses lived in Midian as a shepherd. Quite a switch for this man of great caliber, stature, position. He's now going to spend the next 40 years out in, pretty much out in the desert as a shepherd. But at the age of 80, he rose to the call. God spoke to him out of a burning bush. And eventually Moses 
would lead one million people or more out of slavery and the bondage of Egypt into the promised land. That was no easy task. It took great patience, great perseverance, and above all, great, great faith. Moses was a strong leader, able to stand up to Pharaoh and demand that his people be let go. When they finally were released to leave Egypt, little did they know what would be facing them. Crossing the Red Sea was no small feat. Pharaoh's army, with their chariots, chased after the Israelites. But it was the faith of one man, one man determined to do God's will, that lifted up his rod and the waters of the sea rolled back. Imagine how much water was displaced to allow over one million people, probably close to two million, to cross over on absolutely dry ground. Sea-soaked ground became immediately dry. And the Bible tells us that as soon as they crossed over onto the other side, the water rolled back just in time to drown every Egyptian. Not one man of the Egypt's army survived. God's miraculous power was on display for everyone to see. Unfortunately, this two-week journey to the promised land turned into 40 years. Yes, there were times when Moses' patience was tried. The people were difficult, complaining and grumbling. The Bible says until one day, God told Moses to speak to the rock, to bring forth water because the people were complaining that they needed water. And in Moses' anger, his anger at the people, he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Because of that simple disobedience, Moses would never enter the promised land. God was gracious and took him up on the mountain and told him to look and he could see the promised land but that he would never cross into the promised land. But I do remind you that on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was Moses with Jesus. And, of course, he was in the promised land. Now, it's my humble opinion that Moses was truly one of the greatest brave hearts of the Old Testament. Each time Moses faced a challenge, he called on God. Moses was many things, incredibly strong as a leader, yet a very meek man. Wise in almost all of his decisions, he desired to only do God's will. He told God before they embarked on their 40-year journey, he said to the Lord, 
If your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. So you see, Moses was determined to only do the will of the Lord. And he wasn't about to move one million or more people if God's presence wasn't with him. You remember that he handled going up to the mountain of God with great reverence and subsequently received the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments. And as his days grew near to the end, he began to review with the people all the commandments and statutes the Lord had ordained. And if you go to the book of Deuteronomy, you can read all of the things, and it's extensive, all of the things that he reviewed with them. Every little detail he reviewed so that they would make sure that when they entered the promised land, they would be doing things according to the plan of God. God had given, God had spoken to Moses. God had given him the whole plan, all the details. In fact, you can also read about the, in detail, the uh, development, the um, building of the tabernacle that they moved with them. So Moses emphasized to the Israelites that they were a holy people. They were a chosen people of God for for a special purpose. They were a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Moses went on to tell them that the Lord did not choose them because they were more in number than any other people, but because the Lord loved them and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The Lord brought them out with a mighty hand and redeemed them from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Moses willingly groomed his successor, Joshua, and they were very close. They were very close friends, and Joshua was always seemed at the side of Moses, and always outside the tent of meeting when Moses was meeting with the Lord. So he was he was the ideal person to fill the shoes when Moses passed away. Now Moses' age did not slow him down. This 40-year journey ended when he was 120 years of, of age. The Bible says He was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Mm. And lastly, the Bible says of this great brave heart, and this is from Deuteronomy 34, 10 through 12. But since then there has not risen in Israel a prophet like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all this land 
and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. I think it's simple to say that Moses was truly a brave heart. And again, in my estimation, I would consider him one of the greatest of brave hearts of the Old Testament, if not the number one brave heart of the Old Testament. And there are many men and women of the Old Testament that are brave hearts. But probably none had as great uh, a legacy and um, length of endurance to deal with so much, so many issues, so many problems that um, truly Moses was a great, brave heart. Well, I just want to close with a prayer. Father, I thank you for the men and women of God that you have chosen for such a time as this. And I know that there are many within the sound of my voice that are truly brave hearts. They are people willing to give up their life, give up their possessions, give of themselves to do whatever it takes to advance the kingdom. I bless them today, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you are encouraging your people to stand up, to stand strong, and in this hour, and it is a great hour, to be a brave heart for God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I look forward to being with you again. This is Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. I really appreciate your prayers. Please don't stop praying for this ministry. Um, it's just a joy to be with you, and I really do look forward to being with you each time, and I would encourage you to please uh, help support this ministry to keep it on the air. And with that, I say shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.